Well, we start off with a fairly powerful passage of Scripture, and Jesus there is calling out the Pharisees and the scribes for their unfaithfulness. Uh, must spend a little bit of time talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, we go back and we look at the scribes and the Pharisees, and what we're going to learn is, is here you have religious people, uh, and Jesus very clearly calls them out not for the fact that they are religious, but what he points out is, is they were doing some portions of the law and not others. And so today's lesson is actually titled Better Than the Scribes and the Pharisees. And I began to think a little bit about this, and it's primarily because I see this so often on social media. How many of you guys have seen someone say, you know, when there's a religious discussion going on, and they say, well, you need to do this or you need to do that, and they say, you're nothing but, you're nothing but a Pharisee, right? You're a legalist. Well, we see that quite often, and the implication is, is that we're, we're legalists or rule followers and that we've lost the spirit of grace, uh, and we're really either binding where we ought not to bind, or it could be a number of things, but we see it quite often. And, and when they call you a Pharisee or a legalist, what it is, is is really a great misuse and really a misunderstanding, again, of the Pharisees. If you go back and look, again, Jesus was not calling them out for for being faithful. He was calling them out because they specifically were unfaithful. Now here's what's interesting. When I hear somebody use that phrase, that you're a Pharisee or that you're a legalist, uh, I actually think I'm not anything like a scribe or a Pharisee. As a matter of fact, I am to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Listen to the warning that we have from Jesus in Matthew 5.20. He says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven." Well, I guess one of the first things we have to talk about is what exactly does he mean when he talks about righteousness? Well, righteousness is not really that complicated to understand. Righteousness is being right based on one's actions being in alignment with some type of a set standard. Now, if you're thinking about that in just civil society, it's pretty simple, right? We have we have the law given to us by the government, uh, and if you were charged with a crime and you went to court and they found that you had followed all the laws, you wouldn't be convicted, right? They would, they would show that you were righteous according to the civil law. It's the same thing when we began to look at God's law. Righteousness as a follower of God simply means that we're submitting to His standard. That's what Jesus was pointing out in the very first passage we look at is, is that the Pharisees, although they were religious, they weren't submitting to the entirety of the standard. They were doing some and not doing portions of the other. And so Jesus, Jesus very clearly calls them out for this. Listen to Matthew 5, 6. Jesus says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, when many people think of the Pharisees and the scribes, oftentimes they look at them as these were people who were religious and they were seeking after that which was righteous, but that's clearly not the case as we look at, at Jesus standing against them and calling them out. Jesus emphasizes we have to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and what He means is, is we have to have this desire that we, would be, that we would be in alignment with whatever God's will is. Now, let me point this out before we go any further. There's a big difference between righteousness and religiousness. I point that out simply because you'll find many in our religious our world today who are religious, but they are not righteous. And that's actually what we begin to see as we begin to look here at the Pharisees. Now here's the logical question as we looked at the warning from Jesus. 
Why would he tell us that our righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees? Let me give you a little information about the scribes and the Pharisees. If you go back and you begin to look at the scribes, what you will find out is, is that the majority of the scribes that we're aware of, they were the lawyers of the law and they were actually Pharisees. They were the ones that recorded the manuscripts and they really came to a position of prominence during that 400 years which really begins at the end of your Old Testament to the New Testament. Okay, During that time when there were no prophets, you had these scribes. And what the scribes did was is they copied manuscripts. Now you may say, why were, why were they needed to do that? Well, they were the result of the Jews being spread out all across the world. Remember, they had been carried off into captivity by the Assyrians and the Babylonians, and so you had Jews spread out all over. But notice this, in each of those places they spread to, they had synagogues. And each of those synagogues had to have copies of the scriptures, and therefore you had scribes. These were the lawyers of the law. They copied the word, they knew the law, they could give understanding to it. Okay? Now, we have to keep in mind, though, that as these Jews had spread all over the world, and they did have synagogues, and they did have scriptures, and they had very accurate scriptures, the scriptures you found in each synagogue they all matched. They were the same. But as they spread around the world, you had different groups. And the different groups of these Jews came up with different applications of Scripture. So you had some Jews that held a little bit to this, and they believed one way, and you had some Jews that taught over here. And now as we begin to read through our Scriptures, we realize there were differing sects of the Jews. The primary ones you guys are probably familiar of would be the, be the Sadducees, and then you had the Pharisees. But there were also others. <clears throat> you, had, you had the Pharisees, you had the Essenes, you had the Zealots, and they were the ones who wanted to keep the law pure. We would call them the conservative ones, right? They wanted to follow the law uh, because uh, they wanted to be pure, and they didn't want to, they didn't want to be affected by the, by the world around them, by, the, by the, uh, the Greeks or the Romans. They just wanted to have a pure Jewish nation. Then you had some other Jews who didn't mind so much accepting some of the things from the Greek and the Roman cultures around them, and those were the Sadducees. And so we had the, we had the very, as we might call them, very liberal, and then we had the very conservative. Okay? Those were the groups that we had. To preserve the law of Moses, the Pharisees actually sought out really to separate themselves from everybody who was around them. I'm talking the Greeks and the Romans. And that's actually what the word Pharisee means. They were the separated ones. Now they went to a lot of length to actually separate themselves and even to show those people around them that they were separated. <clears throat> the result was they had a very strict interpretation of the law of Moses, which would actually be described as the oral law from their teachers. Now you may be saying, what are you talking about now? Well, first they had, <clears throat> they had the law of Moses, and then they had their idea of what the law of Moses meant, kind of like our commentaries today. The Sadducees had their commentaries from their favorite teachers, and the Pharisees had their commentaries from their favorite teachers, conservative commentaries and liberal commentaries. Their famous teachers would be the equivalent of our, our mega you know, uh, preachers today are very famous, uh, I hate to say it, guys like Joel Olstein and Billy Graham and 
Where, and the problem, is, the problem is this, we have the same problem today. Many of these Jews didn't actually go back and look at the law of Moses to see what it is that their favorite teacher was saying. And sometimes what he was saying didn't line up with the law of Moses. And you had that with the conservatives and you had it with the liberal people, okay? In time, what happened was, is the Jews got away from using just this. Remember, when they started, they wanted to be pure and they were just using this. But then as they had these teachers come up, they then had the oral traditions written down. And so now they had this and they had the written law. And for many, what they began to do was they kind of used both together and oftentimes they would even take the written law and place it above their written tradition. They would place that above the actual scripture. So they were trying to follow both, but what we really found out was is they almost placed their teacher's teachings above that of the scriptures itself. So here's the problem. The original idea of the Pharisees wasn't bad. What was wrong was is uh, they got away from just that desire to follow God's word and they began to allow these traditions, these teachings by men to come in and conflict with it. But it didn't start off that way. And so as we begin to get some information here about the Pharisees, what we want to do is, is we need to figure out what it is that they were condemned for if we ourselves need to exceed them in righteousness. Let me point something out here before I go any further, because this is oftentimes missed. You don't read anywhere where Jesus ever condemned somebody simply for being a Pharisee. Remember, I've already told you a bunch of bad things about the Pharisees. They had a lot of problems. But Jesus didn't condemn people because they were Pharisees. Uh, we could go back and look at John chapter 3. We could look at, remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the law. And you don't find anything. About, Nicodemus seems to be very sincere uh, in trying to understand and to grasp the teachings of Jesus. You find those who were of the Pharisees who, who weren't recorded as doing things that were sinful. We know Paul was a Pharisee. Now, let me say, Paul did some things that... And Paul, Paul was a persecutor of the Christians. He had a number of issues. Uh, but one of the things we know about Paul was he was sincere and he had a great understanding of the law. Now you go back and look at Philippians chapter 3 and Acts 23. He was well versed in the law of Moses. So for the most part, the Pharisees were well taught. Again, the problem was is they often looked at their rabbi's teachings above scriptures. Here's another thing. You also never find Jesus condemning the Pharisees because they were keeping the law of Moses perfectly. Remember with the verse we started off with, Jesus calls them out, not for the keeping of law, because they, but because they didn't keep all of it. They were emphasizing some while getting rid of others. <clears throat> Let me point out, go over to Matthew 7.21. .20, Jesus spends a lot of time talking about obedience. And so for the Pharisees, those who were Pharisees, who were following the law, and not neglecting portions of the law, Jesus wasn't calling them out. Matter of fact, obedience has never been a bad thing as, in, as inferred by many people today. That's what they're saying when they call you a legalist or a Pharisee, right? <clears throat> the problem is, is the term legalism, if you really want to use the actual term, to, be, to one who wants to be in alignment with the law, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But to be a Pharisee, they don't really understand what they're calling you. Listen to Matthew 7, 21. Jesus makes this very clear when He talks about obedience. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, 
and in thy name have cast out demons, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity or sin. Jesus oftentimes talks about the necessity of being faithful. Clearly, this is contradictory to what we read about the Pharisees. And I'm going to give you some more information about them. John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus, being God in the flesh, clearly is calling one to uh, follow that which is inspired. <clears throat> if you go back during the first century and you begin to investigate the Pharisees during the times of Jesus, um, during the time of Herod the Great, about when Jesus was born, you would actually find that there were recorded there in Jerusalem about 6,000 Pharisees within the city. I think many people, when they read about the Pharisees, think it was a much smaller group than that. It was not. You had a lot of those that would be uh, considered in the class of the Pharisees. And we know that it was the Pharisees and the scribes that oftentimes would follow Jesus around and they would confront Him regarding His teaching of the law. And I remember they would oftentimes ask about, why do you transgress or, or why do you teach this? And they had an understanding of what the Scriptures meant, but as Jesus would teach, they would come and say, why do you teach this or why do you do this? Oftentimes they were more worried about the Sabbath and the breaking of traditions than they were of actually listening to Jesus who was, who was God in the flesh. And probably well, nobody's going to give a better commentary on the Scriptures than Jesus. So why was their righteousness condemned? Let me, let's begin to break down who the Pharisees were. Going over to Matthew chapter 23, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. One of the things we read off the bat, and this is actually just like the passage we opened up with, we learn that these Pharisees, albeit religious, they were hypocrites. Now let me ask you a question. You guys ever heard anybody say that religious people are hypocrites? Well, some are. But we have examples of those in the Scriptures who weren't. But the Pharisees, many of them, they were. Matthew 23, starting in verse 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to His disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Now, it's interesting. Jesus, as He talks about the Pharisees here, He says, do, do what it is that they're telling you to do, but He says, don't act like they act. He's pointing out a problem here with the Pharisees. Let me pause for a second. How many have ever seen that with a religious person today, right? You shouldn't do this, but they go out and do it. You shouldn't do that, but they go out and they do it. That's what Jesus is saying about these Pharisees. The point was is they're not completely faithful. As a matter of fact, they're a bunch of hypocrites. And Jesus is pointing this out. Jesus oftentimes would rebuke those who, who disobeyed the truth or they misapplied the law. And quite often when we find it, it has to do with the Pharisees. They did one thing and they would teach something else. Matter of fact, if you go back and you look within uh, the Gospel of Matthew, you'll find over ten times uh, where the word hypocrite is used to describe these Pharisees and the scribes, along with a lot of other strong words. Now listen to Luke 12, 1. <clears throat> In the meantime, when they were gathered together in an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, 
Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. All right, so Jesus begins to warn of the leaven of the Pharisees. He says it's hypocrisy. But here's what's interesting. If you slip on down there towards the end of chapter 3, he begins to describe just how bad the hypocrisy of these Pharisees are. Let's go on over to Matthew 23 and look at verses 25 through 28. And I'm going to tell you what, if you were, if you were a Jew, let's say you were not of a Pharisee or a Sadducee, let's just say you were a Jew, and you began to see how bad these Pharisees actually were, do you think that would make you as a Jew want to be a Pharisee? I wonder how many, I wonder how many Jews at the time didn't want to be a Sadducee, didn't want to be a Pharisee, didn't want to be an Essene, and didn't want to be a Zealot. I wonder how many Jews actually just wanted to be a faithful Jew. I ask that because today you have people who don't want to be Baptists, don't want to be Pentecostal. I don't. I don't want to be Methodists, don't want to be, don't want to be Seventh-day Adventists. They just want to be faithful Christians, right? I think they had the same issue going on. Listen how bad these Pharisees were. Matthew 23, starting in verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchers. Talking about the gravestones out there. You know how they're all white and beautiful. He says, <clears throat> Which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity or sin. He says you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. As a matter of fact, what he's saying is, is you look pure and holy on the outside, but inside you're full of a bunch of rotten decay. Guys, what about people today? You think there are people that act that way? I mean, you guys ever met someone who seemed like they were, they were one way, but then you begin to look and you find out they were a totally a different way? Right before service started, we were actually talking about politicians. Funny how we're always talking about politicians here whenever we're not in worship. And we were actually mocking how politicians were saying, do this, do that, and then we found out that they weren't doing it themselves. We see hypocrisy all the time. And that's what Jesus is pointing out about these Pharisees. You look all religious and you look all holy and pure, but inside you're nothing more than a bunch of dead decay and rot. Guys, that's, that's some pretty harsh words. Well, these guys were a bunch of hypocrites. But that wasn't their only problem. They were also extremely prideful. Uh, they were concerned about the praise of men. Let's go on over to Matthew 23, 5 through 8. And guys, you'll find this in the religious world today. You, you've got people who, they're not so concerned maybe even about what it is that they teach or don't teach. They just want people to like them, right? How many likes can I get on Facebook? How many, how many hits can I get on YouTube? It's not really about what it is that they teach maybe, but how popular are they? Well, a lot of it's from their pride. Matthew 23, starting in verse 5, he says, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. You guys may not know what a you guys know, shake your head if you know what a phylactery is. Well, let me give you a little quick definition. So 
They had these leather boxes and they would put them on their heads. And also if you were right-handed, you wore it on your left. If you were left, you wore it on your right, but you had the box there and in it you put scripture. And the whole idea was is to keep God's word right there so you would remember to keep the law. It's actually a misuse of scripture where they were saying to keep God's word on their mind. So they're wearing these boxes around, right? And the bigger the box you had, the more scripture you could get in. That guy must be holy with that big of a box on his head. So these guys are walking around with these big phylacteries. And then he says, and enlarge the borders of their garments. Because, you know, the bigger the border is, the more holy you are. So these guys, they're doing everything to be seen of men. They're making their phylacteries really big. They're enlarging the borders of their garments. He says, and they love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. And greetings in the marketplace, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be ye not called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are, bre are brethren. What's he saying? So we've already talked about the fact that these guys were a bunch of hypocrites, and they, they looked all holy and pure. Uh, but we also see that they were so prideful that everything they de that they did, including even their appearance, was to really draw attention to themselves. Right? It would be, it would be the equivalent of... Um, people who wear, well, let's, let's use the example of, uh, you guys ever see the white collar on like a religious people? Uh, priests will wear the white collar. Uh, you'll see a lot of people wear that and it's to, it's to signify. Why do you think they wear that around? It's to draw attention to who they are, right? Uh, I don't wear a white collar. I mean, I do on my shirt, but not like that. I would never wear that. The whole point they do that is, is to really draw attention to themselves. And that's what they were doing by wearing the bigger box and having the, the big borders on the garments. <clears throat> and they were even so bad that if they were to fast, they would go out and get dust. And they'd make themselves look all dusty and they'd act all just wore out so they could draw attention to themselves. Because guess what? They're holy because they fast. And you can tell just how holy they are by really just how, how depreciated they are from from not eating, and they're just so wore out. But they must be holy to fast like that, except they made themselves look weak and tired by putting that all over. Why would they do that? Draw attention to themselves, just like their clothes. <clears throat> they actually were so prideful that they thought they were better than everyone else. Now, specifically, they thought they were better than the uneducated. Now, how often do we remember when they talked about Jesus' followers and they said, these are untrained men? got to point that out, right? They don't have the PhDs of the day. These are uneducated men. Why would they say that? Because they looked down on them. They hadn't studied their famous teachers. Anybody could study the law. Anybody could go to the synagogue and study the scriptures, but they hadn't studied the teachers. They didn't have the degrees of the day, and so they began to look down on these types of people. They looked down on the poor. They looked down on the sick. They looked down basically on all the common people. And if you knew much about the Pharisees, when they would walk through the city, everybody just stepped back. Holy men. Holy men. Give them their, give them their way. And Jesus points out that these people, not only were they hypocrites, they were extremely prideful. Well, you guys ever heard the, you guys ever heard the phrase, they were all hat and no, or all hat and no cattle? Maybe, you guys ever heard that phrase? All hat and no cattle. It's like, it's like if you ran into a guy that had a big cowboy hat on and the boots and the Levi's and the chaps and everything, but he didn't actually live on a farm and he had no cattle. What am I saying? It's all for show. It's all for show. All hat and no cattle. That's what these guys are. They walk around and they make themselves look like they're religious. They look like they're pure, but it's all for show. These guys weren't righteous at all. 
So not only were they hypocrites and not only were they prideful, these guys were materialistic. Now let's go on over to Luke 16. As I keep pointing all of this out, does it make you feel a little better when someone says, man, you guys are nothing but a bunch of Pharisees and illegalists? And you ought to be thinking, I am nothing like a Pharisee. I don't want to be anything like a Pharisee. These guys weren't faithful. It's a misuse of the term. Luke 16, 12 through 14. Listen to what we learn. He says, and if ye have not been faithful in that, Jesus is talking about the unjust steward here. How many of you guys are familiar with that parable? I didn't want to cover the whole parable, but that's what he's talking about. And then he says this, and if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now notice this, you think this seems out of place? And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. Jesus is teaching about the unjust steward here. He's saying, you can't serve two masters. And then he says, or we find out here, that the Pharisees were covetous. Guys, if these people had been faithful to God, they would have also been faithful regarding things of a material nature. But here's the thing, they weren't faithful in either of them. That lets you know right off the bat just how bad these guys were. Listen to Matthew 23, 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer, and therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. In the woes against the Pharisees, Jesus actually says they were devouring the estates of the widows. <clears throat> you may be wondering exactly how bad was this? What were they doing? Well, if you go back and you read some of the historian Josephus, he says that the Pharisees had actually made themselves out, as we already know, to be righteous and to be helpers of the poor. And so they would come across these elderly widows and they would have them, because they were good people, they would have them manage their estates for them. And what we found out is, is that these Pharisees, these religious holy people who were helping the elderly widows were actually, uh, as, as their guardians and executors, were actually just masquerading as holy men and they were defrauding them. Can you guys imagine somebody claiming to be religious and then, st <laughs> and then stealing from someone else? When I went to school to be a minister, my dad said, I hate ministers because they're all a bunch of thieves and crooks. And he still thinks that way about ministers, hopefully not about me. But in general, they're untrustworthy and they're thieves and crooks. And you know where he got that from? Well, he got it from a lot. But he went and saw, you guys know who Benny Hinn is? I won't spend much time on this. Benny Hinn, my dad went to a, not because he wanted to be there. He went and took my great aunt to a Benny Hinn concert to get healed. <clears throat> and my dad watched really closely. He's a pretty smart guy. And he said, this guy's a con artist and a crook. And he's representative of the majority of people who are ministers. Well, not for faithful ministers, but for the majority of the religious world, my dad's right. A lot of them are liars and crooks. These religious men who are stealing from people. And what do we find out about the Pharisees? They're just like them. Masquerading as holy men, taking advantage of people. So, they were hypocrites. They were prideful. They were materialistic. They were also prejudiced. Go over to Matthew 23, 13. Another woe unto the, unto the scribes and the Pharisees. Matthew 23, 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Seems to be a pattern going on here, doesn't there? 
For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. They, not only were they not going to enter into the kingdom of God, they weren't helping anybody else get there either. And part of the problem was, is these guys were prejudiced. If you didn't fit into their little window of who was accepted by God, according to them, they didn't want anything to do with you. They didn't want anything to do with the Samaritans. They didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. For the, for the most part, the Pharisees didn't want even anything to do with the Sadducees, and the Sadducees didn't really want a whole lot to do with the Pharisees because one was conservative and one was liberal. What they needed to be was right down the middle. But these guys, if you didn't fit right into their idea of, of what the Jew should be, they didn't want anything to do with you. If you were poor, they looked down on you. If you were the common people, they looked down on you. Let's go on over to Matthew 9. We'll read verse 10 here. Matthew 9, starting in verse 10. We'll go down to 13. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Man, what I wouldn't have given to just sit there, would you? Even if you were a sinner, to sit in the presence of Jesus. But notice this in verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Verse 12, But when Jesus heard that, He said unto them, They that be whole need no physician, need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So the Pharisees come by, they see Him eating with publicans and with sinners. Can you imagine a man spending time talking with a tax collector or a sinner? Because... A Pharisee wouldn't. He'd pass right by. He didn't want anything to do with them. You've got people today that act the very same way. Religious people today, right? They see someone that doesn't fit into the mold, and they don't really want anything to do with them. It could be because of their wealth. It could be because of a number of different factors. And here's the sad part. As I look at these Pharisees, really in the way they interact with not only, not only those that were poor, the common people, but the publicans, and so forth. Doesn't everybody need to be saved? The Pharisees, though, they were prejudiced and they couldn't get past that. <clears throat> they weren't just prejudiced, they also wrongly justified themselves. Let's go on over to Romans chapter 10. I'm going to start with Paul's words. Now remember, Paul, is a, Paul was a Pharisee before he became a Christian. I don't think anybody would have a better concept of what the Pharisees needed than Paul, who had been a Pharisee himself. Romans 10, starting in verse 1, Paul writes, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now, when he calls out the nation of Israel... Here's all who he's calling out. He is calling out the Sadducees, who were the liberals. He's calling out the Pharisees, who were the conservatives. Remember, the Pharisees were binding stuff they ought not to bind. Actually, they were even binding and loosening. And the Sadducees, they were doing the same thing, more often loosing than binding, and the Pharisees more often binding than loosing. But you had both of these groups who were not following the Scriptures, and what they were doing was is they were justifying themselves really based on oral tradition in a combination with the law. 
What I'm saying is, is they had made up their own standards for righteousness. That's what Paul calls it for here for the, for the nation of Israel. Let's go on over to Luke 18 and see what Jesus has to say. Because, again, the Pharisees would have been included here in the nation of Israel. Clearly, both Sadducees and Pharisees were, were problematic in their teaching. But notice what Jesus says over in Luke 18, 9 through 14. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Let me pause for a minute. You ever known someone that walked around all the time like, I am so righteous, but they're not. I am so righteous, but they're not. And let me pause. One can know if they're righteous based on the Bible. All right? uh, and there might be a time where you might be having a Bible class and you say, the followers of God who do this, they are righteous, and those who are not followers of God are not righteous. That's not what we've got going on here. You have a lot of people who will walk around and they'll act like they're righteous, when in reality they are not. Let's notice as he goes on, verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Notice that. God, listen to this prayer for just a minute, guys. I hope that, I hope that none of us ever pray like this, because this isn't even a prayer. This, this is not an acceptable prayer. God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let me pause for just a second. How many of us could pray to God and list all of the good things we do, but not list all of the hidden sins that we have? I could pray to God and list all my good traits. And oftentimes people do that. But they forget to mention all of the areas where they fall short. You've got the Pharisee who's basically bragging about all the good things that he does, although he's not really mentioning maybe the bad things that he does. But then you've got this other guy, this publican, who basically comes up and says, I'm, I'm a sinner. The Pharisee basically is he's basing his righteousness or how righteous he was by actually comparing himself to somebody else that he claims is not righteous. It's not really a very good standard to figure out where your standing is with God. The publican could at least admit that he was a sinner, but the Pharisee couldn't admit his own sins. And what would some of those been? Prideful, prejudice. He had a false standard of righteousness. There would have been a host of other problems. <clears throat> he wasn't following the Old Testament law for his, his standard of righteousness. And Jesus is really just pointing out exactly what it was that Paul was pointing out as he talked about the nation of Israel. And you had it both with the Sadducees and you had it with the Pharisees. They weren't submitting themselves to the standard of God. They had, they had drifted off, one to the conservative side and one to the liberal side. What they needed to be was right down the middle, right? <clears throat> but they had made their own standards of righteousness. And I think that describes a lot of people in our religious world today. I wish everyone who was watching today on YouTube would get this understanding. As we look at the problems with not only the Pharisees, but of the Sadducees, they didn't need to have Sadducees, and they didn't need to have Pharisees. They just needed to have faithful Jews. And that's what we need in today's society as we talk about Christianity. 
We don't need Baptists. We don't need, you didn't have any of this stuff in the first century, but you had faithful Christians. You, you don't need Baptists and Pentecostals and Seventh-day Adventists and Catholicism and the Christian disciples of Christ. Or You don't need any of that. You just need faithful Christians. Why can't we learn from the problems that we see with the Sadducees and the Pharisees? Well, not only were they wrongly justifying themselves, they perverted the law of God. And that's really kind of where we were at as we opened up with a passage. Let's go on over to Matthew 15. I'm going to read verses 2 through 9. And again, people always use it. You're just a Pharisee and a legalist. The problem with the Pharisees is they weren't just following the law. They were following portions of the law, but not all of the law. And they would even emphasize their oral traditions over some of the law. Matthew 15, starting in verse 2. And guys, this is, this is how you have... This is how you have differing groups within any religious body. Okay, How many of you guys have ever heard of a religious group having a split? Uh, I think the last big one we saw was what the Methodists who were splitting over um, some, issue, some common issues today where some were saying, no, we can't do that, and some were saying, we should do that. They're saying, well, th that's not allowed by the Bible, and some are saying, well, you know, you're, the Bible is outdated, and they split. Well... Some are trying to maintain what they think is the law of God, and others were getting away from it. They were perverting it. You had the same problem in the first century. Matthew 15, 2, Why did thy, disciple, why did thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Let me pause for a second. At what point do we find in the Bible where it says, follow all the trad traditions of the elders over the Scriptures? You don't find that. But that's what had evolved in the religious group. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Do you guys ever find anywhere in the Bible where it says, do not eat bread unless, you, unless thou washest thy hands? I didn't see that anywhere. This is something that their teachers had come up with. It was rules of purity that they made. He goes on, Jesus calls them out. But he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition. Basically, your traditions are trumping the law of God. He says, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah, or Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now you may have just heard that, and you're like, what is he talking about? They had gone out. These guys would justify themselves however they wanted. They had literally gone out and they created a loophole. And they created a loophole so that they wouldn't have to take care of their parents. And here's what they had actually done. And Jesus is calling them out for it. They would take their money down to a person who kept the money at the temple. And they would give, they would give their money to the temple. <clears throat> and then when their parents needed something or say, you needed to provide for me because you're supposed to take care of your parents, they would say, I don't have any money. I gave it all to the temple. And then when their parents died, they would go back to the money keeper at the temple and he would keep his cut and give them back the rest of their money. 
They were literally doing whatever it is that they could to get around the commandment to take care of their parents. That's why Jesus calls them out on this. These guys would cater to the law or change the law or come up with their own teachings from their own teachers to get around portions of the law. They would, they would bind where they ought not to bind. They would loose where they ought not to loose, where they had no authority. And guys, do people do the same thing today? They do. And the problem oftentimes, and I've had conversations with them and maybe even been guilty of it myself, where I literally think the Bible does teach something, and so I, I give my understanding of that and say, you can't do this or you can't do that, when in reality, we go back and study, we might find out we were wrong. The Bible says you can or you can't. I'm not going to give an example. But here, what they're doing here, this is clearly wrong. There is no way to even justify, even though maybe one of their famous teachers told them they could do this, you cannot justify the behavior that we find taking place here. But they would. They would go out and change, uh, they would change the law just to justify themselves. Well, here's the question then. I could spend a lot more time talking about the Pharisees and how bad they were. How do we exceed in our righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? And, and to be honest, this isn't really complicated. Again, Jesus never condemned Pharisees for being Pharisees, and He never condemned people that were faithful. As a matter of fact, we know that Jesus taught you had to be faithful. So how do we exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? Well, it's pretty simple. We have to be faithful. We just live according to the law of God. He calls them out because they weren't living according to the law of God. They were doing some and not doing the other. Right? Us living according to the law of God, that's what righteousness is all about. And again, that's why we have to have such a heavy influence on studying the Word. Are we, are we thirsting and hungering to study the Word of God so that we know what's expected of us? And when we know what's expected of us, are we carrying it out? That's simply how we are righteous. And when the heart is is intent and set on following the Word of God, our faithfulness is going to be seen, right? We will choose to be faithful simply because we love Him. Let's listen to 1 John 2, 3 through 5. And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth His word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. Why were the Pharisees unfaithful to God, and why is it that many people do not become followers of Christ? Well, I think what you'll find is, is the answer is the same for both. The Pharisees didn't love God enough to obey His Word. They didn't trust the Scriptures enough to actually see Christ for who He was and obey the Gospel. And I would suggest to you that is the problem we have today for both the non-Christian and the Christian. They either just do not love God enough or they don't trust the Scriptures enough to accept Jesus for who He was and obey the Gospel. And really, that's the contrast between the Pharisees with that which is pleasing to God. I don't mind being accused of being a Pharisee or a legalist, because certainly I'm, I'm not a Pharisee, nor do I want to be a Pharisee. And if you want to misuse the term legalist and make it bad, saying, you know, all you guys are trying to do is to exactly follow the law of God, there's nothing wrong with that. We're actually told to do that. So yeah, go ahead, call me a Pharisee, call me a legalist. I've already showed you from the Scriptures, we're nothing like the Pharisees. These guys, these guys were involved in a lot of wickedness and sin. I don't know anyone here that does, that does the things these guys do. 
But for the religious world around us, it's a way for them to try to smite us on the face. Is it important that we're righteous? Absolutely so. As a matter of fact, we can go back and look at the supposed righteousness of the, of the scribes and the Pharisees, and we know this. We have to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees if we want to enter into the kingdom of God. So here's the question. Are you righteous in the sight of God? Well, if you're here and you're a Christian, the question would be is, am I living faithful, right? Do I know my scriptures and am I living according to it? These Pharisees that were sinning all the time, if they would have came back and just acknowledged their sin, done what they were supposed to do at the temple, and then live faithful again, there'd have been no issue. But a lot of them died in this state. For us as Christians, we need to go back and look at the areas where we've fallen short. If we have fallen short, repent of it, turn from it, be faithful, be in alignment with His Word. If you're here, though, and you're not a Christian, that's my concern if you're watching this. The conversion accounts are all very simple. They're all very concise. You find the same things. We know that people were teaching the gospel. People heard it. That's how faith comes, Romans 10, 17. They believed. They had faith, Hebrews eleven six. 6. They believed Jesus Christ was the Messiah, John 8, 24. They were willing to repent of their sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5, Acts 17, 30. They were willing to confess Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And all of them, every account, they got immersed in water for the remission of sins. Acts 2.38, Mark 16, 15 and 16, we could give you a lot more verses. That's how people became Christians. Just as I told you earlier, there were no Baptists, Pentecostals, Seventh-day Adventists. There was none of that in the first century. But we know what they did to become Christians, and that's how you become a Christian today. And when you do that, you're added to the church by the Lord Himself, Acts 2, verse 47. He doesn't add you to a denominational group. You're added to His church when you do what He says. If you're here and you've not obeyed the gospel, we'd love to study with you. If you are here and you're struggling in some way regarding sin, please go back, repent of it, turn from it, and just be faithful. The blood of Christ will continue to cleanse you if you're a Christian. 1 John 1, verses 7 through 9. If there's a way we can help you in any way, you can come forward as we are led in a song of invitation.